Welcome to the Not Old Yet podcast, where we explore the subject of aging from a fresh new perspective. Each week, you will learn how to look, feel, and be youthful, no matter your age or stage of life. Tune in each episode to hear words of wisdom, stories of hope, and keeping it real advice from your host, Elizabeth Vanderveer. We got a beautiful story. Hi, and welcome. I'm Elizabeth, your host of Not Old Yet podcast. And I'm here today with my dear friend, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi. And today we are going to talk about how do you know when it's over? Loaded topic. Take it away. All right. So this is something that I have been going through over the last several months. And it's just recognizing the signs. And if you look inward, they're there. (laughs) And you know it. And I think this is when most country songs get written. When you Uh, know it's over, but you just haven't cut the cord yet. Yes. And so let's look at the signs. And that is something that I have been looking at quite a bit recently. And when you're inwardly starting to push back, that's a huge sign. And so we need to recognize these and be able to focus enough, sit back, kind of an out-of-body experience, if you will, and say, where am I really at? And what do I really want without this other person injecting their will? And... So sometimes for me, it's best if I put it down on paper. That way I can talk to myself. I can say, Cindy, this is what you're thinking. And it, and it works in the positive with me as well. But if I can write them down, walk away, go back to it and review. So let's go back for a second. We're talking now about how do you know it's over when you're still in a relationship. So we're not talking about something like ghosting, one of my favorite topics. When you think you're dating someone and they disappear and gone like a ghost. But you're talking about when, and that's a pretty good way to know it's over if you've been ghosted. But you're talking about when the other person, are they clinging or hanging on and you just haven't made the cut yet or... What's the transition? And I assume we're talking about all ages, right? All ages. Yeah. All ages. Yes. I wonder how long it takes on average when people know it's over for them to actually do something. That's probably very individual based upon your personality and your tolerance of things. And as well as the type of relationship that it is. And we all know we've had the bad boys in our life. We all know we've had well-meaning relationships, but there have been signs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe someone is a little bit more controlling. And at times that can sneak up on you too. So those are red flags. I've had those before I've even met the person. By text, they start controlling and trying to control 
what you're doing, when you're doing, with whom you're doing it with. It's like, wow, it's pretty incredible. And the other thing that I've noticed, and I believe that we're talking about the same person and the same relationship, is guys are very good at asking us questions and giving very little information until they want to. We've discussed that, and that's one of the signs. That okay, is it's over? Yes. Is they so, want to know everything about you, but they keep everything about them to themselves? And it comes back to the comfort level that we're feeling inside. Are we getting uncomfortable with ourselves? Are we getting uncomfortable either talking about certain issues or are those issues coming back to us where we're thinking maybe at a later time, that made me feel really uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Or why are there so many loose ends? Or why there are there so many questions hanging around in my head about this situation? There's a lot of ambiguity. And when you go back to that person in that relationship, say, you know, I really want to talk about this. Oh, this isn't a good time. Let's get back to that later. And then when you bring it up, they say, you know, I've got questions about this. They want to talk to you in person or on the phone. Mm -hmm. But when it comes in reverse, it's like, no can do. Right. Right Where are you? Who are you with? What are you doing? And then when you write that email, it's like, hmm, I need a few days to think about this. That gives them the opportunity to edit, to soften, to give a different perspective on it and to bombard you with that many more questions where they're not taking ownership for their actions. And so they want you to be responsive, kind of on the mind, out the mouth-ish. They don't want that in return. That's a huge red flag. Yeah, definitely. That's a major red flag when they start getting cagey about what they're doing, who they're doing it with, when the phone starts to be hidden or turned upside down, if that's a change. My ideal in a relationship is that you share passwords. You've got to, I mean, I don't do that, but I mean, that's the ideal in my head is that you're so enmeshed that you could, you know, know that kind of stuff and not be at risk. But that's a pretty big That's a pretty big leap. But, you know, just that trust level. Well, you and I have both been burned, and I'm sure the vast majority of women have been burned meeting someone that is married or in a relationship and dilly-dallying around on the side or they're not quite truthful. How many men have I met that their divorce is in process and then you find out they just got separated last month or something, you know, after 30 years or something. It's just... Those little gray lies, those inconsistencies, they're not necessarily gray lies, they're big lies at the beginning are really, really tough to deal with. I think you know it's over when uh, there's too many roadblocks put into place, like everybody else is coming first. That happens quite frequently in relationships. You know, time is made up front for the other person, but then regular life just, you know, creeps back in. And now all of a sudden you're just seeing each other on the weekends and nobody's making the effort. Well, nowadays, especially where I live, of course, 
almost everywhere, traffic's such a consideration, you know, and having someone geographically desirable. And you have to keep making the effort. Because if you don't make the effort, well, let's talk about the effort you made. You flew into another city and didn't even get to see your guy. That's because he was busy. I flew into another state. That's a good sign. And, and I was stood up for a TV show. Well, to be fair, it was the Super Bowl. I mean, it's not just a TV show. Yeah. Still. I get it. It was a long-distance relationship. We hadn't seen each other in four, not days, not weeks, months. And I was there on business, and we could have shared about an eight-hour pocket of time from the afternoon to early afternoon to mid-evening. But yeah, I, I was watching the Super Bowl with a couple of guys. I could have been invited. I wasn't. As you can tell, the Super Bowl being the first week in February, that's still a sore subject. (laughs) It told me I was not a priority. That's the message I got clear. Here's a question. Who should pursue or initiate intimacy in the relationship? Do you think that's a a role thing? Is that a male-female thing? Or is that a mutual thing? I think it's a couple's thing, especially, you know, we're not in our 20s. And so I think it's definite comfort issue regarding the two. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked to a lot of women who are not comfortable getting intimate after menopause. Many of them, most of them have had children. And they're not comfortable in their, their own body at that time. And so mm-hmm. to get there, there has to be a level of trust. And that level of trust is different for all of us. We all have histories. We all have baggage. We've all had <laughs> great times, not so great times. And to be able to be intimate with someone, there has to be that level of trust, whatever that level is for you, for the two of you. And he may not be there at the same time that you're at. And so baby steps and conversation and that readiness, it may be after a few weeks, it may be after a few months. Hopefully it's not after just a couple of days, but whatever that is, it's a joint thing. I don't think it has to do with just the man's decision. And I don't think it has to do with just the woman's. You know, I find that people of all ages tend to behave pretty similarly. It's interesting. I'd like to talk to some millennials and see what they think about this issue. But I was at a luncheon at a retirement home with women in their late 70s and all the way up to their late 80s. And they were chit-chatting about other people in the community. And one in particular was joining us. And she was 78, still working. And uh, she came and joined us at the table and was going out on a date with a man. that The date was just following his wife's funeral. And so we got into, is that appropriate to go out on a date right after a coffee date? It's still a date. 
after your wife is buried. Then she started at 78 saying, what do I wear? What about sex? What about where does he live? Would I live with him? I mean, she started thinking about his bank balance. And this wasn't even like a date yet. But I just thought, wow, 78 years old. She's talking to her 86-year-old friends. They sound just like my friends and me. They sound like women in their 30s. And then I'm thinking, at 78, if you don't have your life figured out and you don't know where your next meal's coming from, why are you looking, you know, this was just hysterical. And I watched this lady talk about getting into a relationship with this man and all of the planning that had to go into this, just a coffee date, but it was <laughs> consuming her. And I realized, you know, at the end of the day, we're all the same, regardless of our age. We still get those butterflies. When we meet someone, we always fantasize about the best possible outcome. We tend to overlook those red flags. And now here we are talking about exiting a relationship. So here's the question. How do you exit a relationship after you've made that decision? Or did you have any other tips you wanted to tell us about how you know? But exiting, a lot of people are doing it by text, which I think is just brutal. I still prefer person in person, but what do you think? Any other tips for us? Oh, well, getting real with yourself is the biggest thing. And setting aside any fantasies that you may or may have had and writing them down helps me. It helps me get clarity on the situation and taking a step back. Uh, so if you can not have a conversation or a date or front-to-front, face-to-face type meeting, and then sit down with yourself without any other distractions, without family, without friends, without him or her in your life to muddle your clarity, mm-hmm. that's the important thing. Just give yourself some quiet time to ask yourself, am I in a good place? Is this a toxic relationship? And what I mean by that is it doesn't have to be, I'm not talking about physical or verbal abuse. I'm talking about messing with your head. And there could be some mental abuse in there, but it could be very, very slight. And that's still not a good thing because If it's robbing you from your inner well-being, your inner peace, if there is a chunk of you that is starting to disappear, Mm. it's not healthy. And I think that's a huge red flag that you've just mentioned, Cindy, is overlooking the signs and stuffing it down and just kind of swallowing it and just taking it when your values might not be respected, your time's not being respected, you're not getting reciprocal engagement or information, you know, those things hurt. And they just, we tend to suppress them and just kind of bury them. Before I received treatment for PTSD, I was just constantly swallowing those feelings. Now, completely different Elizabeth is showing up since I've had that treatment that I told you about with ketamine. And I don't swallow really any of those feelings anymore. I'm, they're right there and I'm addressing them in a calm, collected manner. And 
what's different is there's no fear of loss anymore of losing this relationship that I'm in. I'm now able to say, it's okay. I was okay before this person came along and I'll be okay after. Mm -hmm. And therefore I'm going to say what's not pleasing me or not, you know, like you said, you get that gut feeling. It's just boundaries are being violated. Advantages are being taken. The balance of the relationship has shifted. I think you know, guys are used to controlling a lot of power in the relationship. And women use sex, as I've talked about on other podcasts, often to control the man and the man uses money and contact and trips and stuff. And, you know, they, they use usually money or access to control us. And it can really mess with your brain. Mm-hmm. You start to feel like you're losing your mind, you know, like you're going crazy, like, really, did I really come here? And now, like in the case of you, I went to a state, a few states over, and they're really not showing up. You know, their words and their actions don't line up. And that, I think, is what is the key to a lot of the harm. And so I've just started telling people, including the person I'm seeing now, listen, I listen to actions. I don't listen to words anymore. So if you say you're going to be here or do something, I'm going to listen and see if you do it. I'm not going to listen to your words. You know, words are so cheap, so plentiful. And then they choose, you know, football over a romantic afternoon with the person they say they want to be with. That's a sign. That's an action to listen to, in my opinion. But getting really straight with yourself about what feels good, what doesn't feel good in a relationship, you know, what they say, how they say it, but how you know it's over, other signs. Well, here's. I think when they change the syntax of what they say in a text is very telling. Mm -hmm. What are they saying? Or. You can tell a lot from a text like you and I talked about. Good morning, beautiful is not the same as good, beautiful morning. And if they start texting in a different way or calling you by your name and not those little love, you know, phrases, and the emojis aren't quite as plentiful or as heart-shaped, <laughs> you know, there's, there's clues that things, that it's changing, that the temperature or the tempo of the relationship is changing. What I think the problem is, is that many of us, men and women, don't want that to be so. So we hear what we want to hear, we see what we want to see, and we cling and we hang on to the initial fantasy. Um, one of the things you and I have talked about is that initial fantasy that they put forth can be so powerful and intoxicating that, I mean, we just hold on tight. Like if they promised us a rose garden and a picket fence and painted that picture when we first met them and felt those chemicals, those endorphins and everything else, we're going to be holding on to that picture of the white picket fence and everything else. And even though everything signs around us are saying ain't gonna happen not happening we're still there clinging to that picture right are we we are and i think it's really important for women well both parties but we're talking about women right now so i think it's very important for us to 
really pay attention, listen carefully to not just what's being said, but what isn't being said is just as important, sometimes more important. And so in a text, for example, we're in a text world. So let's talk about that. In a we text, are in a text world, yes. When a text is coming back and it's rapid fire. So you're texting, send. He's texting, send. We've got like split seconds between what we've sent and what we're receiving back. And then you read it and you're going, huh? And so then you text, wait a minute, what was that? What did you mean by? And then you re-text. And then all of a sudden, there's this lag time <laughs> of 30 seconds. And in the text world, 30 seconds is an eternity. And then it turns into like three, four minutes. And it's just like, did you go to sleep? I love it when they have the little bubbles for Apple. Because it implies that they're actually still texting. You don't have an Apple phone, so you can't get that. You don't know what's no, going on. No, actually, I do have an Apple phone now. Oh, you do? Okay. But the well, problem is that then when you're saying, hello, and then they go, oh, I got to go. Uh, something's happened here. And you're like, well, are you okay? You know? And they right? go, yeah, we'll get back to you later. Bye. I know, I love that. You read this and you find that, oh, wait a minute, let's scroll back to four (laughs) days ago. Huh, same thing. Let's go back to a week and a half. Oh, same thing. We've got a pattern here. Too busy to answer your questions? Is that what you're saying? Those were the top questions because he was being called out on something. And so we've got a pattern here. If that is happening, that's an issue. Yeah, that's a red flag. They're not responding. They can't answer. They won't answer those questions. That's an issue. Those are red flags. Well, I just got a message. I picked up a message this morning sent a week ago by the guy I'm dating. And this is what he said. Hey, don't text me that stuff. Just call me if you have a question about my text. (laughs) I thought that was funny. Like he doesn't want to get into that texting like ping pong where you're like what WTF and what are you saying and you get those mixed signals which I really appreciate it I'm the phone girl I'd rather pick up the phone and just have a freaking conversation this texting drives me crazy but that texting that you're talking about is so true where they just all of a sudden it's a it's a form of ghosting it's just they're making up a lie oh got a meeting oh gotta go oh this oh that and then they completely disregard your questions and it's as if you didn't even ask them it's like oh well thanks for letting me know you don't give a rat you know what about communication with me you just wanted to check in and find out where am i who am i with what am i doing Mm -hmm. and when will i be available next to you Mm -hmm. i've been in multiples of those And, and the one i told you about just recently not two months ago someone Met on, not on a dating app, but he approached me by email. He found my email and everything and approached me. And then after two days of texting, I said, let's meet. And he said, do we have to? I'm like, what? Thank goodness I got to that point quickly enough. And then I just delete, goodbye. Like, I don't need a pen pal. Golly, what are these people thinking? Okay, what else? Another reason to end it or another way that you know it's ending. 
when a certain story you've discovered is a lie, mm-hmm. and when you approach that for the truth, and that's covered up with another lie that you find out later. And so if the relationship started off with a lie, and you approach that person about that lie and say, can you come clean about this? And there's no response. <laughs> or the subject is changed. And you discover that, oh, maybe this was a lie too. Right. So you ask them about that. The problem is, if there was the one lie and they didn't come clean, how many other lies are out there that you're not even aware of? Right. Was the whole thing a lie? Don't know. I don't know why I said this, but one of the people that I met and had a very significant relationship with, significant in my life, after our first date, I said, he's either the nicest guy in the world or a pathological liar. And he turned out to be the latter. But for a year, I wanted to believe he was the former, a nice guy. And he told me that the other person didn't exist that he was engaged to. And he told her that I didn't exist. And we both believed it for a year, apparently. And then when it all fell apart, because it will, guys, or girls, anyone that does this, you're going to get caught eventually. They all do. He still denied that the other person existed. And it was so painful to have my existence a year with this person, traveling the world and being so close and building up the fantasy, it was so hurtful to have someone deny my existence. So when someone lies about being married or something, how horrible. I mean, they're lying about the other person, that partner. And just think, that will be you if you stay in that relationship, you know? That's, that is really huge. And how often does that happen? A lot. Oh gosh, it happens so often. I think I read somewhere 60, 70% of all married people have affairs. Sad. It's just sad that we're not turning into each other, you know? Well, and about 60% of, and this goes both ways, but it's higher on by a lot on the male side, 60% of all men on dating sites are married. Oh my goodness. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Well, I did a show on dating apps and stuff, and there is, I think the stat was around 8,000 dating apps and websites in the U.S. Excuse me, in the world. I think 2,500 are in the U.S. And that floored me because I had no idea, but I know of the biggies, and I've met a few married men on there or people that are you know, newly, uh, newly separated. And I, I won't even go there anymore because usually that means, you know, last night they got separated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they get on a dating app in a fit of anger at their partner or something. And then there's just those dating or apps that are purely for hookups. And some of them are for married people. It's really very disheartening that that kind of thing really exists, but they do, those sites. Let's talk about another issue regarding knowing when it's over. When you bring up an area of contention to your dating person and they in turn 
take it back to you by saying, you're obviously not happy. What can I do to fix that? Or what can I do to make you happy? Well, or you're obviously not happy. You must want out or. Well, no, here's the thing. There are people that do that. Is that their job isn't to make me happy. I make myself happy or I make myself sad or it's the situation, but it isn't somebody else's job to do that for me. They can provide answers and clarity. Right. And that would either please me or not. But just by saying, what can I do to make you happy? Let me make you happy. This not the issue. That's, that's not the problem. And by skirting the issues, by not coming clean with things, then that's the area of contention. Another area that I've had. That completely misses the point. Like if you're talking about something that's important to you, it may not necessarily be about your happiness. It might be about respect. It might be about that's the reason. It might be about something else. So for him, her, or whatever, in response to take it to happiness and their responsibility to make us happy. No, how about answering the question? Mm-hmm. How about being accountable for your actions? Mm-hmm. How about you know saying what you mean and meaning what you say and being a team player? And so, yeah, it, that happy role is just so misguided that's not their job but well and the other thing that i've noticed too is the fault finding fault finding to me is so juvenile it's so freshman high school stuff well you did this so it's not on me well you started it what are we in grade school and that's that's another area. That's that's another thing that goes on that list when I become introspective about a relationship and its potential to move forward or not. And if that gets on a list and that other person is just going, well, we're just going toe-to-toe. It's what we do. No, it's not what we do. We it's that's not healthy. Right. Because toe-to-toe grows and it becomes manipulative that becomes contempt when you're constantly sparring with someone is that isn't that what you mean toe-to-toe means sparring yes it's exhausting yeah it's so exhausting yeah that's very true you know that things are over when you're not getting the same freedom you know to just do your thing and And if you've set it up that way that you don't have freedom, that's a problem. But I see a lot of people in controlling relationships like that when one person's getting afraid that it's over. And usually that is a pretty good sign when you start to manipulate and control and whine and complain about someone's activities. You know, I've been in relationships where the other person did not want me to be happy when I was without him. Literally, I was in New York building one of my skincare companies, doing work, and I'd be getting texts about how miserable he is and how he wanted me to be miserable. And it was just, number one, it was exhausting. Number two, it was very difficult because 
I felt an intense pressure to be unhappy when I wasn't with him. Like I couldn't share any of the good positive stuff because it was met with more questions like who was I with? What was I doing? Were there any guys, you know, it became very threatening, not threatening in a bad way, but just like he was threatened and my happiness was not paramount. It was his security. Mm-hmm. That's very common. I know I hear from a lot of women. Oh my gosh. He wants to know where I am every single minute. He stalks me basically. I mean, those things happen. Those things definitely happen, especially when one person thinks that they're losing a grip on the relationship. Exactly. I think the best thing you can do is get okay in your own head. And it's hard. Well, it's so much better, especially those that are 50 and over to be able to step back from the situation and take a little bit of time to analyze just what the hell is going on. Is this a good thing for the both of us? Is this something that can grow and be a nurturing, loving, supportive, two-way relationship? Or can I not answer all of those questions honestly and still be comfortable in my skin to be able to move forward? Because even though hopefully we will at least starting at using the age of 50 have a long life of the next 35, 40 years, who knows? But nevertheless, how many long-term meaningful relationships do we hope to have moving forward in those decades? Well, we all want to be able to say, well, I want to have the relationship that gives me momentum to experience the best of my life. But how often does that come across? And so if we can be real with ourselves first to be able to recognize this is a waste of my time Mm. and I need to drop and move on right now. How do we get to that point without getting into a battle of the wits, a battle of the words and just say, we both deserve to move on and this is why. And it's really not open for discussion. This is how I feel and I've got to do it for me. Yeah, I think that there's two things about dating when you're older and starting and ending relationships. The first is that we tend to get more set in our ways the older we become. And so that provides two things. One, it provides a challenge because we're kind of harder to motivate, harder to get us to try something new. But by the same token, it's an incredible opportunity to do things differently, better, or just differently, and kind of reimagine your life. Now, sometimes it might involve moving, like I did, from Portland to LA to get a complete change of pace. But you also have to be very careful that you're not just so set in your ways that you're not going to make new opportunities for yourself. Correct. And, you know, people can get, the older they get, they can get so incredibly narrow-minded. And when you're dating, 
a lot of people give off the first blush that they're adventurous, they're whatnot, but for someone like you and me, for whom travel, and in your case, adventure travel, is super important, if someone says, oh yeah, I like to travel, and then they really don't, that could become a big issue. But by the same token, if they aren't a traveler, but they're willing to try, there's no reason to write somebody off be, just because they don't share every single activity uh, that you do at this point. Mm -hmm. But I'm in my early 50s, and the person I'm dating's in their early 50s, and we were just talking about, you know, if someone really finds a companion at our age, you could have 50 years together. You really could have 30, 40, 50 years together. That's a lot. That's just like being 20 and getting married to your practice husband, as they call it, for 30 years. You know what I mean? So my point is that I think that this is a very exciting time of life to be in your 50s, 60s, 70s, because we're all living so much longer that these issues that we're talking about are for all the decades. They're not just for someone under 50 or in their early 50s, 60s. These are real issues. And like I said, the ladies in their late 70s and mid 80s, we're talking about all <laughs> the same things. I think they just don't get any credibility, but they're talking about all the same stuff you and I are and the younger you know, millennials are. Relationships are tough. So I have a question at... I am in a situation in my relationship where it's pretty much text and phone. I don't even think I have his email address. And we're in our early 50s. We don't even communicate on digital or social media right now. What about you guys? You were email and phone and text? In that particular relationship, it was text and email and phone. Now, that was a long-distance relationship, so it's a little different. I think email is more common the older you are. Yes. I also think that the older you are, the more protective you may be, at least at first, giving out your phone number. And for that reason, I think a lot of people prefer starting off at least with the email and then migrating to the phone number. That's how it is with another relationship that I have. Yeah, I think... Like you said, and even text to some degree, but email is by far the most calculated because especially when our society allows us days to respond to an email, you know, pretty much. Mm -hmm. It used to be, if you got an email, man, that had to be dealt with. Then it was text, you know, who knows what's going to be faster than text. But now I think emails are kind of like, oh, I didn't check my email. Like, you know, that's almost the next phase now, it's all text messages. But people break up by text. Well, Katy Perry wrote a great song about that called Ghost, about being broken up with by text. I've been broken up with by text. I've broken up with people by text. It's done. <laughs> How are you going to break up with this guy, Mr. Long Distance? Um, I've had several conversations with him, most of which have ended with, no, 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 I can fix this. <laughs> How could I have predicted that? <laughs> and so I've made it clearer. <laughs> and also to emphasize that, there was the exclamation point of, I've started dating again. 
And the response was, are you sweet on someone? Am I sweet on someone? What decade is this? Okay. Hardly mind your own business. Uh, My girlfriend or you, my ex or my future former boyfriend, that's what we call it. And so I just responded to repeat myself, I'm dating others and let it go at that. So again, he wanted to fix it and thought that maybe a trip together somewhere would move me to the other side, so to speak. And let's just be straight. This has been a year or more, right? And uh, you've never had a trip. Yeah. Okay. So I think another part of this segment could be the string along that they give us. I mean, I've gotten some of the best string alongs. That's a pretty good one. Gee, never made time for you in the past, but now I'm going to dangle the luxury trip in front of you. I love that new insertion right there. I wonder if the Super Bowl would have been put on the sideline if this conversation had happened the first (laughs) Good question. So anyway, as it has come down to it, I actually got a text today saying, Call me so I can get some closure. (laughs) Because it's all about him. He needs closure. This man that hasn't had time for you and didn't make time for you when you were in the city (laughs) wants to know every detail of your life now needs you to call and get closure. Oh, my. And that was about an hour ago. So there we have that. Well, I guess I'd like to write and it helps me see things because writing makes things very black and white. It eliminates the emotional side of a lot of things and it helps with me. I've shared this technique with some friends of mine and they have tried it and they find that it works well with them. It's also a way to be able to put things down that are on your mind so it clears your mind for something else. You're not rummaging the same thing over and over in your head. At the same time, you may have made the list on Tuesday and now it's Wednesday and you go back to the list and you're rereading it and something in there triggers other memories. And so you put that down as well. Then by rereading it, you're getting enough clarity to be able to see wow, there's a pattern here that I didn't see before. And oh, by the way, that really bugs me. And you're going down to another one and go, oh, I hate it when this happens. And that helps, at least with me. What's your list of? To say, you know, it's time to like either take a pause, walk away from the situation, give it a rest. Maybe it's something that you find that you're really in love with this person, but there's still these issues which are not healthy. Walk away from it for a while, a few weeks, a month, take a break. That may not have been that much of a deal to the other person because they didn't see themselves in it. This may allow them enough time to do that, but it also may allow them enough time to say, you know, you're right, but it's me. And isn't going to change. That's when you walk away too. And what are you writing on this list? 
everything that bugs the crap out of me about the relationship. Just red flanks, questions that didn't make sense. Unanswered questions. Like, why was there a female bathing suit in your master bathroom? Good question. Excuse I should have asked that one. Uh, of someone, of one of the men that were lying to me. Oh, but, oh that was the fiance. Hmm. He missed one article of clothing one time. Hmm. But yeah, I think making a list of how your needs are not being met or things that are just not show with you, seeing it in black and white is really helpful. But I like what you said too, is it gets the mind space opened up for other things. And go back to your list of the things that you want. Here's an example. And whatever's on your I do not want list, put that at the, the positive corollary, you know, like, if you don't want someone that lies, which I would hope most of us want, put truthful on your list. You know, if you want someone that's on time and not late all the time, put timely or shows up on time. Be specific. Like you and I said, you can't be too specific on these lists. And if things really bother you, and even if they're seemingly minor, I don't know what would be maybe cutting their toenails and leaving them on the counter. I don't know. You know, but there's, there's so many things. And for some people, they're just deal breakers. And for some people, you know, they're just like minor annoyances, like, hey, I'd prefer if you didn't do that. But certainly writing that list will help you see patterns, like you said, and trends of how things are really coming down for you. Well, the same trip that I took the Super Bowl week, mm-hmm. I was there when we did get together, and mind you, it had been four months since we had last seen each other, there was a distance that I felt. It wasn't that we could just pick up where we left off. Something had happened, and I couldn't put my finger on it. But at the same time, he was like, you know, the arm went around. It was almost like a pat on the back, so to speak, like, you're a chum. And the strangest thing was said, and that was, is this good enough for you? Is, is what good enough for me? Is this good enough for you? Or do you want it all? He said that? He said that. Now, that was enough to push me back. And for me to say, is this good enough? Now, I didn't know what this meant. I didn't know what this he was referring to in his mind, whatever this was, Mm -hmm. it was the next part of that question. Or do you want it all? Absolutely. I want it all. Absolutely. (laughs) No, I would like half ass. That's what I want. I mean, exactly. I don't settle. I want it all every single time because I deserve it. It's a rhetorical question. We all deserve it. What a question to ask somebody when you're in a relationship and you've just traveled that far to see somebody. And that went on my list. That was <laughs> you don't want to be asked if you want it all. Do I want it all? That's pretty incredible. I mean, you did answer him, right? You said, yes, I want it all. 
I told him what a ridiculous question to ask. I said, of course I want it all. I deserve it all. Right. Why would I settle? Why would anybody settle for less? I agree. Well, you know, I have always heard people come into our life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Now, they can come into our life for a reason and a lifetime, and a reason and a season, or just a reason. Like, maybe they're just there briefly to show you something that you need to learn. There's a great new Coldplay song that talks about, I think it's hypnotized, if I'm not mistaken, but I may be wrong. It talks about how every person that comes into our life is a gift, mm-hmm. and they're there to teach us something. And I think that's true more and more. And so even if you lose the relationship for whatever reason, because you decide or they decide, or it just is a mutual ghosting or parting, that person's been there for a reason. And I have finally figured out that the pain of those relationships that are reasons and seasons, it's okay. It's okay that they're just here for a brief time or reason or a season and to keep protecting your heart as much as you can. It's rough out there. (laughs) And it's really rough when you fall for someone under false pretenses, which is partially what we're talking about today. Yes, it is. White lies and not so white lies that are told early up front when we're in that romance phase and we're starting to fall for someone can be very difficult to break those ties, even when all the red flags are going off and we should be running for the hills. We're still texting, we're still emailing, we're still engaging. And so getting some conversation going around that is important. And then I think another final comment is just kind of knowing how and what kind of contact to keep up, if any. And I think when you're in that situation like you are right now where you can't really disengage cleanly, that person's not letting you. I think when you do finally let it go, you're probably going to have to keep a distance. I just don't think this is someone that can have it casual. He's too engaged in engaging, it seems like, in his style, the way he wants to. What do you think? You think you're going to stay in contact or... Actually, I've thought a lot about that and as well as the season reason thing, because that I also added to the list. Why do I think we came into each other's lives when we did? Mm-hmm. What was the purpose for him, as far as my opinion? And what was my purpose in this relationship? And that helped with a closure part of it on my end saying, okay, this brought about this for me and it opened a door for him as well. And there was nothing wrong with that. And so we can take that gift with us and move forward. So now as far as how is this going to leave us in any kind of relationship moving forward, I think with some distance and enough time We could still be friends further down the road, but there needs to be this period specifically for him, I think, to seek some answers inside that really have nothing to do with me. And I think he needs to also come clean 
with a lot of things that had to do with the dissolvement of our relationship because he's going to have that moving forward with other relationships and they will end more than likely along the same lines as this one did. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping to be able to share that enough with him and that I send him goodwill. I want him to reach down inside and find a level of peace that has nothing to do with me so that at some point in the future, we can remain friends and on a friendly basis, however rare that might be as far as our reaching out to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And, you know, obviously friends are great to have. I just, I think that there's a lot of relationships where there's just too much water under the bridge and the person's not going to change. Now your person's going through a life change and that may make things accelerated or more likely to happen. but a lot of people, when they get into this end stages of a relationship and it's just kind of hanging on and just not fulfilling for anybody, but taking up time and energy, I'm not sure a lot of people can friends, especially when it's long distance. You know, it depends on how much water's under the bridge, I think, and how much you bonded mm-hmm. when you were together. Mm-hmm. You know, do you really have the basis for a foundation of a relationship or was it just sex and catch as catch can and all tied up in a lot of other drama of texts and emails and stuff like that? Or was there really a foundation built? And that's individual for every single person. Well, thank you so much for talking about this today. This is a lot of fun. It's never fun to end a relationship, but it's always fun to hear your perspective and kind of how you analyze things because we're all vulnerable. You and I have both met some real turkeys and, you know, we're not in terrible shape. It's just, they're out there and you have to kiss those toads and to find the, what is it? A frog? Is that what we want? A frog? We want the prince, but (laughs) why end up with a prince really? I mean, we just want someone who's real. Yeah. Real and shows up and is who they say they are and is kind. And yeah, there's, there's just a lot of basics and, all these apps and all these dating issues, it just can really get in the way of really learning who a person is. And are you compatible? Do you have a baseline compatibility? We are interesting beings, human beings, and we have lots of quirks and idiosyncrasies and preferences. And the older we get, the more defined those get sometimes. So finding that lid for the pot which does exist. I still believe there is a lid for every pot, but knowing when to take it off too and separate the lid from the pot is another topic that we just covered. So thanks so much, Cindy. Any uh, parting words beyond goodbye? Uh, uh, Parting words. When you're meeting someone, look deep to see if there is respect because without respect, you can't have friendship. You can't have intimacy. You can't have trust. What does respect look like? What does it look like? It's a best friend. It's someone who listens well, Mm -hmm. who shares themselves equally, who can look up to you just the same way that you would look up to them, who's there when the chips are down, who's there to pick you up, who shares in your life, 
who laughs with you, who cries with you, who understands, who knows when to shut up and just listen and allows you to do the same for them. Mm. Great points to end on. Thank you, Cindy. We'll look forward to next time. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Bye, everyone.